Welcome to Foresight with me, Greg Williams. Before we start the conversation, I have a request. If you're enjoying this podcast series, I encourage you to go on whatever platform you get your podcast from and give us a five-star review. It really does help us to grow the wide community. Thank you. Lockdowns, travel bans and high-profile store closures and restructuring brought on by COVID-19 have forced some of the world's largest retailers to set up online marketplaces to survive. But not all e-commerce newcomers have the infrastructure in place to deliver a world-class customer experience, meaning the playing field has been levelled and some small retail businesses finally have an advantage over bigger brands. In today's session, we'll explore the new strategies retailers are adopting to stand out online and retain customers during an e-commerce boom that's been accelerated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Our guest today is Shimona Mehta. Shimona is the head of EMEA at Shopify, a subscription-based e-commerce platform that enables anyone to set up an online store, works with retailers of all sizes, and has experienced enormous growth during the pandemic. Shimona, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Greg. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. So obviously it's challenging to talk about success during the pandemic, given the circumstances. But as I mentioned in the intro, uh, it's really clear that Shopify experienced considerable growth in, in 2020. And I'm curious to understand how you think about Shopify. Is it a retailer? Is it a platform, a logistics company, a tech company or all of the above? Yeah, uh, two things really, Greg. Great question. The first is we're an entrepreneurship company uh, and entrepreneurship really runs through the DNA of everything we do. Uh, for anyone who's uh, taken a look at the story behind Shopify, um, you know, we're founded by and still today run by Toby Luca, who was our original entrepreneur. Uh, 15 years ago in his mid twenties, he was simply trying to start a snowboard shop online with a friend of his and couldn't find any software that would help him to manage his business and find customers and manage his inventory. And so he took his programming skills and actually just decided to build his own. Uh, and so Shopify was born almost by accident, actually. Um, but that same mindset really runs through everything we do today. And so we aim to empower businesses and entrepreneurs of any size or scale to be able to attract, retain, acquire customers in any channel, wherever they are, while providing all that technology in the background in order for them to manage their businesses in scale. And, and clearly there's been a, a, a massive growth in entrepreneurship during, during the pandemic. Many people sort of maybe finding, uh, you know, a marketplace that they hadn't really imagined before. Can you give us a sense of, of how you've seen that growth over, over the last year or so? Yeah, we've seen uh, some pretty phenomenal growth uh, over the last year. In fact, 150 million people shopped online for the first time last year, right? And that was very much by necessity. We were all forced into our homes and to figure out how to get all the goods and services that we need um, online. And so we saw that growth and it was across the board. We saw huge growth in Central uh, Central and uh, Middle Europe around close to 20%. We saw 16.5% growth in Western Europe. So really across the board in all kinds of verticals, in new spaces, uh, and really businesses just trying to pivot and keep up with demand in this new world. 
And, and what kind of trends are you seeing in terms of behaviors and, and also, you know, just in, in terms of like general consumer trends that you're, 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 you know, that you've witnessed in the last few, few months? Yeah. Uh, so first two things, right? COVID was really just an accelerant of, I think, change that was already happening. And, and I would say it's really, COVID really just brought 2030 forward and that need to digitally transform and to ensure that you're talking to your customers where they are, it just became more prevalent uh, faster. Uh, and so I said, you know, we've saw uh, an influx of people shopping online for the first time and that increased competition as well because the world became accessible to people and, and, and businesses be, were able to access new customers everywhere. And so that saw kind of the rise of a couple of things, right? It's with all of these consumers with their choice, they've raised the floor of what will accept what is table stakes. So convenience, simplicity, um, and immediacy become really important. Right when you've got people shopping online for the first time, you better make it easy for them to navigate and find you and to complete their purchases and learn about you. Convenience, people want to shop locally. So those with brick and mortar who were able to, you know, quickly implement buy online, pick up curbside, were still able to offer folks the convenience of shopping locally, um, you know, through a different method that, you know, complies with safety. On the flip side, with all of the competition, uh, we've also raised the ceiling as well as to what consumers are expecting. They want to be wowed. They want rich digital experiences that really help them to, you know, into, uh, to, to talk to and create relationships with and understand your brand. You know, we do know that people want to shop more local. Um, we've got physical retail that's transforming and that needs to be more of an experience and a marketing channel versus a sales channel. And so it's that connectivity to brands, that continued digital wowing, um, and that desire to be able to shop locally that we're seeing that's really come from this. So, so it's kind of like a combination really of the, the pretty much that kind of like whole spectrum of retail, right? So it's the, uh, as you say, that the immediacy of delivering uh, uh, goods to consumers in a, in a way that really does feel, make them feel like it's a very seamless experience. But it's also almost that kind of like that UX part that one would normally go to to physical retail for, right? That that bit where you actually go along and you, you have that experience of, of whatever it is that you're hoping to purchase. So it's kind of thinking about retail, what in this whole, um, in a way that's very kind of um, uh, whole as it were. Yeah, absolutely. Um, convenience, immediacy, creating these experiences. How are you educating your customer about your products? How are you building a relationship with them? How are you ensuring that they connect with you as a brand and what you stand for? Um, it becomes so important to create those digital experiences. So uh, interested to also see clearly there's been a shift in consumer sort of uh, appetites. Which categories are you seeing having the most dramatic growth at the moment? Mm. Um, well, probably no surprise, we've seen athleisure grow <laughs> rapidly as we all sit at home. And I know that's basically what I live in these days. Um, home and garden as people try and beautify um, at home cooking and, and things that you know help us to continue to entertain ourselves and build craft at home, home office as well. Um, I actually, uh, you know, just moved into London a year ago and I moved into this beautiful flat about a month before lockdown. And so I went through having to furnish my home all through lockdown online. Yeah. And when could we have imagined before that someone would, you know, buy all of their furniture online, but in fact, since we're live, I will do this. If you look over there, you can see a blue sofa and a white chair, you know, those 
I purchased both of them online through Shopify merchants. The blue sofa, snug sofa, modular sofa that comes apart in flat packs. And so they were actually able to deliver it in a time when otherwise delivery wasn't able to enter homes because of safety. So I actually had a, a sofa I could sit on within a couple months. And that large chair is from Maker and Son. It's a higher end chair and people obviously want to you know, touch and feel and sit in a chair before you buy it. They put a love seat into a van and created a rolling showroom and showed up at my curbside outside my flat where I could go and sit in it safely. I could look at swatches. I could bring them back up and take a look at them in my apartment. And then I could use Shopify POS to pay for it right on the spot in the van. Those are brands that are really innovating and thinking of ways to like, how do we still create and duplicate those experiences that customers need, but think of a creative way. Yeah. And I think you've touched on something that's really important there. Clearly, you would never have bought a sofa before online. You would have always gone to a showroom. You would have always kind of thought about going to a physical, physical location. Which of these trends and behaviors, you know, do you think that you may be obviously you're not going to be buying a new sofa soon, but would you make a purchase like that in the future um, in, in the way that you've experienced under lockdown? So I guess the question is, you know, which of these behaviors, these new behaviors is going to stick and, and which are going to go back to the to the way they were, do you think? Yeah, um, so there's a few things I think that are going to that are really going to stick, particularly we're getting into the habits of buying our essentials online. Uh, so I, I, I definitely see us continuing to do that. Why go out and buy anything to do with a commodity, right? Just right. We'll always buy the online, right? right. Okay. Those repetitiveness will continue to see, I think, subscription models grow for essentials and things like that. Retail really needs to continue to move where customers are and they need to adapt. So whether it's thinking about going online, whether it's engaging with customers in social, uh, because we are now in control as the consumers, right? With the advent of this, we don't go shopping anymore. We are shopping at any given moment in right. time during our days. Uh, so finding, meeting those customers where they are and creating really rich in-store experiences that again, help you to continue to um, engage with the brand, learn about the brand. Um, I know that there was all this conversation around high street is dead or, high, you know, the, the death of high street. I, I really don't like that narrative because it's not about that. We want a really rich, successful, vibrant high street. It's just that high street has to adapt to how consumers want to shop and interact with brands today. You can't just be big warehouses and holders of product. You've got to adapt to create experience and let people engage with your, uh, engage with your brand when they walk in. I definitely want to um, get you to drill down a little bit on that physical retail, uh, those physical retail questions uh, later in the session. But uh, for the time being, I'm really interested to get your thoughts on like clearly, you know, I thought that that what you said about people aren't going shopping, they are shopping. I think it was, it was a really um, interesting way of looking at things. Are you seeing more and more brands trying to go direct to consumer and develop that, that relationship? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you had brands that already knew that they had to start to do that. And so if even if you weren't digitally native, we've seen brands really start to think about their digital transformation over the last few years. Uh, and then you saw those, of course, that needed to kind of scramble to survive through last year and, and do it really quickly. Um, but either way, I think that uh, brands large and small understand the importance of creating those direct relationships with their customers, 
but the flip side of that also is that important rich data that they get by owning that that relationship with their customer so um great examples a couple of them from last year one is heinz uk uh, there's a hundred year company that's never been online before uh, and they quickly got online within a few weeks and started shipping care packages and like that's a legacy historic iconic brand with those products that brits love right the baked beans and ketchup and packaging them and making sure they can still get them to customers. Um, but what that also did is ensure that they're, they're building that direct relationship with their customers and they've got that data. Um, flip side, complete flip side, which is a pivot, uh, Pizza Pilgrims actually is a great example. Uh, I don't know if you've been to them, Greg. I've oh, absolutely yeah. uh, visited them here in the UK. You know, they had 10 locations, uh, you know, pizza restaurant. What a wonderful experience to enjoy that Napoli pizza. Of course, COVID hits, they are fully shut down, zero business. And those co-founders, what they decided to do was play with pizza at home, recreating that experience of pizza, going out for pizza at home. And uh, so they created a little concept called Pizza in the Post. Uh, we quickly helped them to flip around uh, a site to do that. They sold out their thousand test kits in 50 seconds. And wow. over the next few days, it's become such a successful venture for them that they actually have created a relationship with their customers now. They've encouraged them to post onto Instagram and people are posting you know, their pizza making efforts and looking for ratings from the community. And so they've created this whole engagement and they also get to continue to talk to their merchants even though we can't go physically into restaurants and have them. Well, shout out to uh, Pizza Pilgrims on uh, on Kingley Street because that's uh, used to be a bit of a wired favourite uh, of, of lunchtime spot. So, uh, looking forward to getting back there. So, Same. you've outlined clearly some great examples with Heinz and uh, Pizza Pilgrims, and just more broadly, what kind of do you think? What separates those who are getting it right from the rest? Like, what, what's best practice? Do you think? Um. I think there's a couple of things, right? And, and I think we have to also separate where people are in their digital journey, right? So we've got those who are already digitally native, like a Gymshark or a Lounge Underwear, both UK home, uh, homegrown brands who are doing phenomenally well. They were able to take the last year and they could actually very quickly pivot. Gymshark focused so much of their time last year in creating community and connecting with customers. They um, you know, they decided to bring on board uh, personal trainers who could no longer obviously, you know, serve people in the gyms and brought them online and paid them to do at-home gym workouts. So they really went into that fitness community and engaged with them. Lounge dug deeper into their influencer market. Um, and so they're able to pivot and really connect. So those who are already on the omni-channel path, you know, building communities, I think have really thrived in the last year because they could continue to do that. And then, of course, we've got, you know, the more, you know, kind of resistant side of retail, those legacies who potentially dropped the ball, uh, didn't switch to community, you know, they didn't think about loyalty programs, you know, they, they had a harder time switching to, you know, convenience and simplicity. They're the ones that have maybe fallen behind or is trying to play catch up. Um, and uh, many of them are really scrambling right now because again, this, this trend continues and they're gonna have to catch up. It's those that were either already digitally native or, or down the path of that omni-channel journey. Yeah, you've mentioned social a couple of times uh, now, Shimona, and I, I noticed that TikTok recently announced it's formed a partnership with uh, Shopify that's going to allow merchants to sell products directly uh, through through the app. Um, give us, from your perspective, give us a sense of how the social ecosystem is developing. 
<laughs> very quickly. Yeah, Greg, I bet. <laughs> Greg, let me ask, are you on TikTok, Greg? <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, haven't you seen my dances? <laughs> amazing. Well, see, amazing. What a great platform for us to have had in the last year for that. Um, yeah. We truly are, though. We're ushering a totally new era of social commerce. Um, and people are really embracing social platforms, not just for connection or entertainment, which has been great for the last year, but also for commerce. Um, and I used social um, platform really purposefully. TikTok actually calls themselves that versus a, a social network. Um, but like at this point, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they really make up our digital main street or digital high street at this point. I um, mean, it's where people are again, continue to go to connect with brands and important for brands to form those connections with their customers every step of the way. Um, and then that's where we come in, right? Uh, with all of the new channels that we can make available for brands. And then even um, looking at an announcement we made yesterday is shop pay for Facebook. Um, you know, we're offering that best in checkout uh, on the internet natively to these social platforms to again, create the relationships and then create frictionless um, buying experiences. Sure. And whether we're talking about, you know, TikTok or we're talking about Instagram, whatever platform we're talking about, there is so much content out there. You know, brands are really competing for eyeballs. How do you advise brands to, to cut through the noise? Uh, the first place to start, uh, it can be really daunting, right? As you said, it's a really yeah. bad landscape. Um, and so um, trying to just throw mud against the wall, hoping some of it sticks is, is not gonna be a recipe to success and, and probably won't get you very far. So the first thing I would say is KYC, know your customer. And right. this again comes back to if you've been doing anything digitally um, and owning some of that customer journey, it's about mapping your customer or your aspirational customer's journey to you. How do they learn about you? How do they interact with you? Where are they going? So map it first and then target them specifically versus just trying to, you know, spray and pray. Um, the beauty of online and omni-channel, of course, and moving towards that direction is that you can identify and map your customers and you can get very specific and targeted. Um, so that's the number one first place to start. Understand who your customer is and then map their journey and then target that. And thinking more broadly, you, you've, you've mentioned, you know, this, this omnichannel journey that most retailers are on now. Which applications generally of, of, of technology do you see as being crucial for, for, for growth for, for retail in the coming years? Uh, so it's going to depend really, right, on, again, who's your customer, what vertical are you in, what's the buying experience? Um, but I definitely, like, uh, social commerce will continue to be incredibly important mm -hmm. moving forward. Right, and so it's just a matter though of knowing now your demographic and your customer and, and where they are socially interacting with your brand. Um, but I'd say social for sure is a channel that you have to take a look at. Um, sure. Of course, your own channels that you can again, bring them to them, control the experience, educate your customer as well. Presumably there's gonna be applications of AI in, in, in supply chain management uh, uh, and uh, you know, um, maybe sort of ro robotic, ro robo, um, uh, AI used in, in, in customer service areas like that, that, that kind of thing as well. Oh yeah, technology um, and, and the pace of growth and change and advancement in technology is amazing. That also can get super overwhelming, right? It, and so I'd say the first thing to know is technology needs to be used to enhance or add to your right. customer's experience with you um, and not just to use technology for technology's sake, like my dad would probably do where he just needs to buy the coolest, newest thing just because it is the newest thing, but doesn't necessarily add value to his life. Um, like 
fashion as an example, video in product is, is, you know, would be really huge if we're not able to go into stores and we're shopping more online. Video allows us the opportunity to see how clothes fall and the movement in them, which becomes so important. AR can be super important in the, uh, you know, in the furniture space or, or homeware space, right? For me to be able yeah. to pick up a sofa and, and see how it looks uh, exactly sure. in my living room makes it easier for me to purchase and reduces the likelihood that I'm going to return it because I know already how it's going to fit and, and sit in my space. Well, and I, I realize we're kind of, we've, uh, we're, we're getting close on time, but I've got a couple more questions if, if before uh, for you, Shimona, before we go to uh, questions from, from those people who are watching. Um, just a couple more things. Obviously the elephant in the room, you know, physical, you know, bricks and mortar retail. Um, I'd really love to get your thoughts on how those in still in that business and bricks and mortar, how can they leverage their physical spaces to support uh, their digital ambitions? Yeah, I think the first thing that you need to do is, is remember that the customers in control and they really want to interact with your brand seamlessly across like channel agnostic, which includes offline and in brick and mortar. So, you know, the first part and the goal of Omnichannel should be to unite that online and offline experience in the back end so you can understand your customer and present them with the right experience in person. And th there's a mindset shift here, right? You, we got to shift from uh, brick and mortar being a sales channel to being a marketing channel, right. right? It's not just a place where, again, you're warehousing your product. If you walk into an Allbirds store, which is an incredible digitally native, you know, sustainable shoe, um, shoe brand, um, you don't walk in there and see, you know, rows and rows of shoe boxes. You walk in and you can see you're experiencing the brand. You're learning about the materials. Um, you're sitting in something that, that looks and feels like Allbirds and where they have space now to be able to talk to you about the product and help you with it. And then we'll go in the back and find the shoes for you. Um, so that itself, you know, making sure that they're not glorified warehouses, that you're extending the brand experience uh, and that you're creating one where, again, they can continue to interact with and learn with your brand right there. And just stepping aside, really, from, from, from just the retail conversation, I'd be really interested to kind of get your, your sense of, you know, leadership uh, and, and what the future of work looks like. We've been working from home for over a year now. Um, I'd really get a, love to get your sense of, you know, what's, what's 2021 going to look like, you th do you think, in terms of like how we're going to be working and thinking about uh, the nature of work? Yeah, um, I think that we've all seen over the last year and continuing into this year that um, the way there's no separation of work and home life anymore, right? I'm, I'm sitting in my home. I just happen to be in a space that is my workspace. Um, and we have to understand that with our people. Um, I spent most of last year, my number one priority was really just ensuring and caring for my people and their wellness to ensure that they were engaged and that they could find a flexible way to continue to produce and add impact in the way that they need to and want to. Uh, and to be honest with you, when I talked to merchants and brands last year, that was the number one thing on every CEO and founder's mind too, is I need to make sure my people are okay. How do I take care of them and, and make sure that they're well? Richard Branson has said, right, you know, I don't need to take care of my customers. If I take care of my employees, they take care of my customers. So it's that continued move towards empathetic leadership. I think that becomes more important and realizing that we need to provide flexibility to people to provide impact and to produce in a way that meets their life needs, right? Not monitoring hours in, monitor pr production and ensure that you're caring for your people and they're engaged. So that's, there's that. Um, Shopify, 
um, I think we recognized really quickly that the world is changing. Um, and uh, we announced actually in May that we were moving digital by design, which means we're gonna be predominantly remote and, and ensuring that we're creating the, the tools and space for people to be successful from home. Uh, and we'll continue to build some hubs in, in areas where people can use them as an on-ramp to, you know, for team meetings and to connect with merchants in the community. But first and foremost is ensuring that we've created a space where people can work from home, which also allows us uh, you know, to tap into a really great talent pool when we're no longer constrained by location. Absolutely right. And I think empathetic leadership is going to be something that's really we're going to see much more prevalent uh, in, in the coming months and years. So thank you, Shimona. Um, I'm not sure if you can see the, the, the Q&A, um, but uh, we, we had some great questions coming in from the audience. So I'm um, just wondering if you could maybe pick sort of like two or three questions to, to take on if you uh, can see them in front of you, Shimona. Sure. Um, I see one right here at the top. Do you expect online sales to decline when the pandemic is solved uh, from Max? Uh, why don't we start there? Um, no, uh, Max, for a couple of reasons. One is we're creating permanent habits, right? We've got that convenience of essentials that we're, you know, we're moving online that we are continuing to shift to. And there are more and more people who are shopping online than ever. So we will continue to see that growth. What I'm excited to see is a revitalization of the high street though, and people being able to go back in store and to be able to, you know, to be able to purchase in store and locally and for people to be able to re revitalize the restaurant scene as well, right? Pizza Pilgrims has pivoted incredibly well, but I know that we're all missing those in-person experiences and being able to, to enjoy you know, food retail as well. So online retail here to stay will continue to grow. Um, what we all want though is I think the revitalization of High Street. Great, thank you. Um, another question may be, uh, Shimona, if you've got time just to take one or two more, that'd be terrific. We're getting a lot coming in. Yeah, I can see that. Um, ah, the fact that, uh, that brands are going direct, what effect do we expect to see on traditional retail? Uh, do we expect serious disruption? Yes. Um, uh, you know, I think I talked about this a little bit, which is, uh, people have needed to really shift and digitally transform, right? So we've seen those that have really thrived through this last year. Um, who are already digitally native. We've seen those that were already somewhat on the path of digital transformation and understanding where we're headed. And then we have seen some legacy retail who have you know, been really slow to make the shift, whether it was just putting it off to another year or maybe not realizing how important this was gonna be. We've absolutely seen them start to shift. And this is where we started to see some of those close signs on high streets of brands that are either being gulled up or, um, or just, closing down or, or reducing the locations, they, they're absolutely going to need to pivot. Um, you can't just have and try and operate out of one channel because that's really what you're doing. If you're traditionally brick and mortar and not doing anything else, what you're trying to do is, is, is take control of that customer shopping experience, have them coming to you all the time. And that's no longer the case. The consumer's in control and they want to shop when they want to shop, where they want to shop. And you have to be able to provide all those channels to them. Great, thank you. Um, maybe just one final question, if you don't mind, Shimona. Sure. Um, let's take a look here. Um, when shops open back up, do you think more brands will look towards creating a bigger experience in store with a bigger investment in AR marketing and the use of art installations and cafes? Absolutely. This again, this comes back to that conversation around uh, brick and mortar and, and in person as an experience, right? We're um, 
art installations is what a great creative idea cafes where people can stay and interact with your brand educational spots you know places where people can really interact um i absolutely think that that's going to be the case it's come in experience the brand not just come in and buy things great shimona thank you so much for your time today also thank you so much for showing us your amazing sofa great color <laughs> I'm glad you're happy with the purchase um, and terrific to have you with us today. Um, if you enjoyed today's session, please do check out the rest of the Wired Foresight series, which includes discussions with uh, Rana Faruha on how to make big tech accountable, uh, policy advisor Simon Anholt on the good country equation, uh, University of Oxford Trust Fellow Rachel Botsman on earning trust in uncertain times. And thank you all uh, for joining today. Uh, stay well and we hope to see you soon. Thanks, Greg. Thank you.